church family, I'll ask you this morning to find the New Testament book of James. Uh, James chapter 2, we'll begin to read in verse 14 on Sunday evenings. We've been studying through the book of James, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture uh, out of the book of James uh, for this morning. James chapter 2, we'll begin to read in verse number 14. This morning I will speak to you on this subject, real faith. Real faith. James chapter 2, begin reading verse 14. Won't you stand with me, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in James chapter 2, begin reading verse number 14. The Bible says this, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then a man is justified by works and not faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your spirit would challenge us and speak to us. God, I do pray if there's someone here that doesn't have real saving faith today, your spirit will convict them of where they stand before you. And God, I pray before it's eternally too late for their soul, they will turn and trust Jesus and him alone to be Lord of their lives. And God, I pray that the truths that are found in this text, Lord, we will use as a tool to challenge people here in this South that is just so marked by people that are good church members, good God-fearing church members, but they've never been born again. God, I pray that we'll challenge people whether they have real faith according to what your word says real faith is. Praise will come to a time of invitation. God, that which you desire to do in hearts and lives will be accomplished today. It's in Christ's name we pray. And we ask these things. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Remember that the book of James is a book that was written uh, to help mature believers in Jesus Christ, to, to get them off of the milk and to get them on to the meat, to challenge them to grow on in spiritual maturity. And in chapter 1, James gives us a word about how we're to handle difficulties that come about in our lives, tests that God sends, that are designed to help get the best in us, out of us, that is to, to make it a reality in our lives. And then how Satan tries to, later in chapter 1, take tests and turns them into 
temptations to make us not walk by faith. Then we were challenged about how to deal with the Word of God, what our response as believers is. And then last Sunday night, we looked at what the Bible has to say about how, as maturing believers, we're to view people and to see all people as Christ sees them, a soul for whom he died. I want to begin this morning by saying that the Bible doesn't contradict itself here in the book of James. There should be no confusion as to what the Bible says it takes for a person to be saved. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Three chapters before that says all have sinned. It's a problem that everybody shares, and the problem with sin is this. A check of personal cash who dies in their sin for all eternity will be a separation from God in a place called hell. Romans 6.23 goes on to say this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago, bodily hung upon the cross, died a death that each of us should die, was buried three days later, rose from the grave, and he offers to all people who will turn from their sin and trust him to be Lord of their life forgiveness of sin, and they have spiritual life by that, but here on this earth, life more abundantly. The Bible says clearly in Romans 6, 23, it's a gift. And so the only way you can receive a gift is to choose to do it. And so a choice has to be made. The Apostle Paul clearly says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, he says, now he's speaking to a church, a, a group of individuals who repented of their sin and trusted Christ to be Lord of their life. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Listen, not of works. That is, you can never do enough good. There aren't enough church activities. There aren't enough spiritual things that you can try to imitate to ever deal with the amount of sin you have and to pay for them. Not of works lest anyone should boast, because if it was by something we could do, Jesus wouldn't get the glory, we'd get the glory. It'd be what we've accomplished for ourselves, but the Apostle Paul says, works cannot save you. However, listen to what verse 10 says, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So three prepositions that are found in verses 8, 9, and 10, are by, through, and for. We are saved by faith, through grace, for good works. And so when a person is convicted by the Holy Spirit that they're lost and the Spirit of God calls them and draws them to salvation, a choice has to be made. And when you choose to turn from sin and trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of all of you, you are saved by faith, you are saved through his grace, and my friend, don't miss this part. This is what James is trying to bear out. The evidence of the spiritual life you're going to have is you're going to live out the good works that God has prepared for you to accomplish. And so all three of those things must be evidenced in the life of a believer. And so there is this morning then, there's, there's a challenge for us to examine ourselves as to whether we have real saving faith according to the word of God. And I want you to hear me this morning. I'm convinced more than ever, more than ever, the truth of Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 22, where Jesus says, many in that day, 
Many in that day, when the book of Revelation says, Christ will sit on a great white throne. You hear me this morning. Many church members, many deacons kids, many people who sang in the choir, many people who came to Sunday school classes, many people who were involved in the church, they learned how to be good church members and how to do church stuff. They, they came from a godly heritage. But here's the problem. They personally never turned from sin and trusted Christ to be Lord of their life. They were never born again. They learned how to play church, but they were never spiritually born again. Jesus says, many in that day will say unto me, all these spiritual things, they'll begin to lay out their spiritual resume, who they were, the things that they did in church, the things that they were involved in. And Jesus will declare to them, Matthew 7, verse number 22, depart from me, you work of iniquity, I never knew you. And so salvation is not about works. It's not about doing stuff for Jesus Christ. But what James is teaching is this. Don't miss this. If someone truly has been born again, works will accompany that real spiritual life. Someone's going to grow in the Lord, have a spiritual appetite, discern what their spiritual gift is. They're going to grow and they're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So that'll be a good challenge this morning to, to, to look within our hearts and see. And listen, friend, the Holy Spirit's going to bear witness of it. Have I really been born again? Do I have a real saving relationship with Jesus Christ? And we ought to take these truths and we ought to challenge people with them. Not where do you go to church? Not what book or you, you know, the, the role. Well, my, my letter is down there. Friend, it doesn't matter where your letter is. The Bible says it matters whether your name has ever been written in the Lamb's book of life because you've repented and trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. So I want you to notice these three things that James shares with us today about real faith. Real faith. Number one, I want you to notice a simple declaration. A simple declaration. Look again at verse number 14. He says, what does it profit my brethren, what benefit is there? And again, my brethren. Over and over, James continues to throw out that phrase. And, you know, and the youth, you know, they throw it out just because they're, you know, so moldable and, you know, hey, bro, how's it going? But James isn't trying to be cool or hip. He's talking about those who have been born again, John 3, into the family of God. My Brethren, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Now, the faith that James is talking about here, he says, what does it profit my brethren if someone says, well, hey, I've got faith. You know, I've, I've got faith in Jesus Christ. I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Stay with me. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe he's God's son. I believe that. James says, what benefit does that have in someone's life if they say they've got faith, but they don't have works? Now, again, the works that he's talking about here are things that come about, things that are the result of spiritual life, an appetite for the Word of God, an appetite to be obedient to the Word of God and the desire. Spiritual fruit that comes about. Naturally, James 5.22, which just comes about in our life. We begin to love people as God loves people. Even though where before we 
hated people and were angry at people. Now, all of a sudden, we still struggle with the flesh, but, man, our heart's just broken over lostness. Where did that come from? It comes because the Spirit of God now lives within our heart. These, these are works that come about, friend, and we don't, we don't muster them up. We don't will them up. They just naturally happen because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. James says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works that come along with a real faith? The faith he's talking about, here's the good Baptist, the good God-fearing person in the South that, that was either drugged to church all their life, you know, they, they, had, they, they have a family lineage in church, deacon's kid, preacher's kid, WMU leader's kid. It doesn't matter. Just somebody who's been associated with the church believes in God, believes Jesus existed, but the difference in again, don't miss this, they've never repented, they've never trusted Christ to be Lord of their life. James asks the question, he says, what, what profit, what benefit is there if someone says they've got that kind of faith, not real faith, but, but there's no works? Can that kind of faith, look at verse number 14, can faith save him? Literally translate, can that kind of faith, just good Baptist Good person, faith, believe in God, believe Jesus existed, but never turn from sin, never trust Christ. Can that kind of faith save him? And so he's, he's asking a question. Can, can that bring any real benefit? Well, he bears out an illustration of, of just what kind of an empty acknowledgement that is. Verse 15 says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food. He's talking about a brother or sister in Christ. He says, if, if a real member of, of the church, a brother, sister of Christ, is naked and destitute of daily food, and can I just say, friend, that has real needs, and, and this isn't a scam, you know, of someone who, if they would just take the effort they have in trying to make the circuit around churches and scam churches for a handout, they'd use that same effort just to get a job and serve, their needs would be met. And can I just remind you of a truth again, friend? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Bible doesn't promise that if you trust Christ and you serve him, your life will be absent of emergencies and hardships and difficulties. But the Bible promises this. If I seek Christ's rule and reign over my life, Jesus will take care of me. He'll give me the things that are, that are needed. But sometimes there's going to be emergencies, things that will happen. Maybe, these, maybe this brother or sister, their house burned down. Maybe they were robbed. But they've got a real emergency right here. He says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and then one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, and you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, what does, that, what does that profit? What James is saying is this. Just because you've got some pious acknowledgement toward the person, say, oh, you have need? Well, be warmed and be filled. Well, that doesn't bring about any real change in their life. In like manner, look at verse number 17. Thus also faith, Faith that's absent of a surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
He said, just like there's an empty acknowledgement of a person who has no, no intention of helping somebody meet those needs of food and clothing, that says, oh, go, go be filled, go be warm, but you're not going to help that person. He says, just like that also, a person says, oh, I believe Jesus died, Jesus, I turned from my sin, Jesus, trust me, but down in your heart, you have no intention of surrendering your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, what, what good does that kind of profession do, uh, do and bring about in your life? It brings no good and it brings about no change. Why? Because, friends, it's not the words. It's only if the words really represent a repentant heart that trusts Christ to be Lord. Tell me you see that this morning. Because the Bible says many don't. Matthew 7, 22. Many don't. They truly believe just being a member of the church and being a good person and giving mental assent that Christ exists, that he died on the cross, that he rose again is what saves them, and it doesn't. It's a heart surrender to his lordship. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Upon the name of the Lord. And so a pious confession doesn't bring about any change whatsoever real faith is what james is talking about listen to what paul says in romans 10 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus christ that is you surrender your life to his lordship that's what paul did in acts chapter 9 he was heading in the wrong direction not not just on the map though he was heading to damascus but my friend spiritually he was heading in the wrong direction he had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ, and he made a U-turn. He turned and he said, Lord, what will you have me do? He gave all of him that he could give to Jesus Christ. That if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Everywhere the Bible talks about believing on Jesus, believing in Jesus. That word believe means to trust Christ as Lord. Who he is. He came to be Lord over you. To be Lord of you. And so that real faith will bring real change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's new. Things are different. Old things are passed away. You're not going to think the way you used to think. You're not going to talk the way you used to talk. You're not going to run with the people you used to run to. Why? Because you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. All things have passed away, and now all things have become new. The old things are gone. Now it's a new life in Christ. Friend, you hear me this morning. If your religion didn't change you, you better change your religion. It's not about religion. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. No one who ever just joined the church ever changed. Why? Because change only comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit. No one that ever just decided to be a good Baptist or to animate some, some Christian things that we're supposed to do ever, ever brought the Holy Spirit into their heart because the Holy Spirit only comes to live within someone's heart when they repent and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. So he's, he's talking about real faith. Real faith. But being born again, John 3, it's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul said to the church at Ephesus, and you who were dead in trespasses and sin, 
he is made alive. You were dead. Physically, you were alive. But spiritually, you were dead. Why? Romans chapter 5, verse, uh, Romans 5 and verse 12. By one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. When Adam sinned, he passed sin on to all men. And as a result of that, death by sin. We're all born spiritually dead. But when you turn and trust Christ, John 3, 7, you're born again. And now the Spirit of God begins to live within your heart. And, and again, the book of Ephesians says it's nothing that we do ourselves. It's just a gift that we receive, and God does all the work for by grace. It's by God's grace. You have been saved through faith, real faith. Turn from sin, trust Christ to be Lord of your life. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works for good works and so james is challenging people you know to, to really look within their hearts and verse number 18 this is one of those clarifying passages for for the entire bulk of what we're looking at today look at verse number 18 he, he gives an example of of, of a real believer challenging someone who's attached themselves to the church but they've never really been born again. They don't show any appetite, listen to me, for the Word of God. They show no obedience toward the Word of God. They've never discovered their spiritual gift. They don't serve. They have a self-focus because self is all they have. It's all about them. They don't have any love for their fellow man. They don't have any joy. They don't, they don't have any peace. Things that come about as, as a result, spiritual fruit that grows as a result of the Holy Spirit, they don't, have, they don't have any of those things within their life. He says, but, but someone will say, you have faith. Here's, here's a real safe person talking to someone who doesn't have real faith. You have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. And again, works are spiritual growth, things that are a result of the Holy Spirit. Someone says, well, I don't, I don't have to have those things because I believe. James says, no, I'll show you I've got real faith as a result of these things. The evidence, he says, shows that I have been saved because all these things that take place are a result of the Holy Spirit. I'll show you my faith by my works. Well, here's, here's what they're going to respond. Verse number 19 here it is. Here is the profession of the good lost Baptist here in the South. Look at verse number 19. You believe that there is one God. And people will add to that. Oh, I've been saved. I've trusted Jesus to be, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've trusted him. I believe that he died. I believe that he, I believe that he rose again. I believe that there's, there's one God and his son is Jesus Christ. I believe all of these things. Well, James says, man, you do well. That's great. Even the demons believe and tremble. He says, every demon in hell believes that. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 41, Jesus was ministering. He was setting people who, who were held captive by demon possession free. And listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 41. As Jesus commanded demons to come out of somebody, demons also came out of many crying and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. 
Now, are those demons going to go to heaven because they proclaim that? Absolutely not. They spoke truth. And the person who doesn't have real faith and just the, the good Baptist that just acknowledges those things, they're speaking truth. But listen, the truth has never changed them because they've never repented. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. What's repentance? It's agreeing with God what he says, Romans 3, 23, for all is sin. It's not just all. I take that word all and I personalize it. God, I have sinned. I've done this. God, I'm sorry for it. And God, I turn from my sin to you in saving faith. I trust Jesus to be Lord of my life. That's the difference between just head acknowledgement and heart acknowledgement. Acts 16, 31, Paul was speaking to the jailer, listen, who had just let him be beaten and who... Now, because he sees the revival that's taken place, he really sees Christ in Paul and Silas' life. He sees the works, the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, sir, what, what do I have to be saved? In Acts chapter 16, verse 31, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in, but on, and you'll be saved. Now, that word in, all in Scripture, literally means to trust Christ. To believe on. But here the Apostle Paul, he just, he just flat lays down. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, cancel all your thoughts about religion and surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and let God begin to build again a new life in you on the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, our words or a confession of our hearts. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When we do that, we become a new creature. Look at verse number 20. So he, he asks him a question, but, but do you want to know? He's talking to the, to the good Baptist. This is, I, I, I believe, I'm, I've got faith. I'm, I'm a person of faith. Here's, here's the contemporary one, all right? Just came to me. See this all the time. This is one of the new catchphrases for lost people in their obituary. Uh, you know, John was a hard-working man, loved his family. He was of the Baptist faith. Well, friend, if that's all you've got to hang your hat on spiritually, when you die, God help you that you're a person of the Baptist faith. It better have been, my friend, that your life was grounded in real faith because there was a moment that you repented and trusted Christ to be Lord of you. You surrendered your life to his lordship. And so James is talking to that individual, you know, the good Baptist says, but, but do you really want to know? Do you, do you want truth that can change your life? But do you want to know, oh foolish man? And the foolishness is this, that the truth is before them, but they won't grab it and turn and surrender so their life can be changed. They think knowing is enough, James 1 says. Self-deception. They're not a doer of the word. They know the plan of salvation, but they won't turn and respond to it. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Faith without spiritual growth. Faith without spiritual change. Faith without spiritual fruit is dead. 
Because again, hear me this morning. The work is not something that you do. It's something that the Holy Spirit does. He brings it about independent of you. It's something that he does, friend, in spite of us, in spite of flesh. He does it in spite of all of us. So it's a bold declaration that faith without works is dead. Again, works, spiritual growth and fruit. And, you know, these years of ministry, I hear this all the time from different people. There'll be a brother and sister of Christ. I trust they are. And they've got children or grandchildren that made a profession at some point. Came forward, prayed a prayer, probably even baptized. But listen, but now their life shows no signs of spiritual life whatsoever. Hear me this morning. There's no appetite for the Word of God. They don't obey the Word of God. There's not a surrender to Christ's lordship. They live like the world. Their life is marked and marred by worldliness. And I'll begin to have a conversation with that parent or grandparent about that child or grandchild. And that in, in nine times out of ten, friend, this is always the statement that I get. Some of you aren't going to be sure. Well, Brother Chad, I just wish they were in church somewhere. I just, I just wish that they were in church somewhere. Friend, listen to me. A church service has no effect upon the corpse that's laying in a casket at a funeral physically. There's nothing that happens within the beginning, through the middle, and to the end of a church service, a church funeral for a dead body physically. Nothing. You'll know why? They're dead. And so the main desire that someone has when their loved one shows no evidence of spiritual life, but you had just wish they were in church somewhere. Friend, your main desire ought to be that they're born again. You've got to admit what's there. If there's no signs of life, it's a terrible thing, but when someone's at the hospital and when the little heart monitor goes flat and just begins to carry on that, to somebody will look at their watch and say, let's call it time of death. Why? They're dead. There are no more signs of life. Well, friend, thanks be to God, you can't lose spiritual life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Someone says, well, they, they seem to show signs of spiritual life for a couple weeks, but now it's all gone. Friend, listen, faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw from the first. You can fake spiritual life, but you can't continue it on. You can pick up a corpse and make it walk around, but that doesn't mean it's alive. You can stand it up and get behind it and wave an arm at somebody, but that doesn't make it alive. You can teach a person to fake spiritual things, but my friend, real spiritual life only comes about because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So your loved one who shows no appetite for spiritual things they don't need to just be in the church they need to be born again that's how good baptists end up good baptists just get them in church as somehow if we just 
drag them through the parking lot and up an aisle and maybe grab them by the neck, drag them through a Sunday school class. Spirituality will rub off on them somehow. It doesn't work that way, friend. You must be born again. You must be born again. So man is saved by faith alone, but real faith is never alone. Did you hear that? Man is saved by faith alone, but what James is teaching is this. Real faith is never alone. There will always be spiritual works. Number two this morning, notice not only a simple declaration, but a scriptural description. So what, give, me a, give me a spiritual example, James. Give me a scriptural example of what you're talking about, real faith. Give me somebody who, who really demonstrated real faith. What are, we, what are we talking about? Well, look at verse number 21 of our text in James 2. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And Scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that man is not justified by works, and not by faith, that man is justified by works, and not by faith only. You say, well, James sounds like he's contradicting himself again. No, he's not. Listen, Abraham was called in Genesis chapter 12. God called him to leave his home, to leave his family, and to follow him. And he did that. And in Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6, the Bible says that he believed God, and God accounted to him as righteousness. That is, he turned from the direction that he was going, and God accounted to him as righteousness. But what James is talking about here, which says in verse number 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar. This was something that happened 30 years after he got saved. 30 years later, after he turned and followed God by faith, and God accounted to him as righteousness, that is, he at that moment began to experience spiritual life, God tested him. He called him to offer his son Isaac, his only son upon an altar. It was a picture of what God would do for us in the offering of his son, Jesus Christ. And so he was testing his faith. And so while there were people who were walking with Abraham, who traveled with him, men that went with him, they said, no, Abraham says he's a man of faith. He says he is. He says God called him and he's responding. But man, I'm just, I'm just not sure about all of this. Now, God knew that he had real faith because God could see into his heart. Stay with me. God could see into his heart. You can say you've got faith. I don't know whether you do or not just by your word. God does, but I don't. But then 30 years later, listen, Abraham demonstrated that he had faith. He obeyed the call of God and his faith was justified to everyone who was around him because he was faithful to what God called him to do. He was justified before men when he offered his son upon the altar. Saved 30 years before, God asked him to do something. He responded by faith in it. And now because he had those good works, that spiritual obedience to what God had called him to do, everybody saw that his faith was real. He didn't just leave it at that, James didn't. 
Here's a contemporary example that we've been going through in the book of Joshua. Look at verse 25. Likewise was not Rahab, the harlot also justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Joshua chapter 2. Rahab had been a prostitute, but she had heard what God was doing in the life of the nation of Israel. And God began to speak to her. And she forsook all the sin that was in her life, and she, she gave her life to God. She said, I know she made a bold profession of faith in who God was, what God was doing in the nation of Israel. And then when she was tested... She hid the spies that while she was loyal to God, not even considering what would happen with her own life. Was she saved as a result of that? No, she did what she did for God because she had already been saved by faith. If that makes sense, because some of you are drifting, say amen. Now, if it doesn't make sense, say, I don't get it, and I'll say it again. All right. So the works were a result of real faith. Abraham was saved. 30 years later, as a result of that real faith, he was still serving God. Rahab gave her life to God. When her faith was tested, she stayed with God. They could have killed her, but she didn't even care. Their spiritual lives produced spiritual fruit. Write down Luke chapter 6 and verse 44 in the margin of your Bible. And listen to what Jesus says. For every tree is known by its own fruit. That is, friend, a tree doesn't wake up one morning and says, you know, what am I? Oh, I want to be an apple tree. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to start producing apples. No pun intended. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And I'm going to start being an apple tree. No, friend. Deep down inside the roots, because of the seed that was planted in the ground, an apple tree begins to grow, and one day a real apple tree produces apples. Jesus says, For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns or grapes from a bramble bush. He's saying real faith will always work. Real faith always produces a real spiritual appetite. Real faith will always produce spiritual fruit. What's the reverse truth? Hear me this morning. Those of you that are banking on some Bible school confession your loved one made when they were three years old and they've never shown any appetite or any concern for the things of God since. If there is not a desire to know God, if there is not an appetite for spiritual things, they don't have real faith. And they need to be born again. That's why Jesus says not a few in Matthew chapter 7, not a couple in that day, He says many. Many will say unto me, I've done all these church things. And Jesus says, I will say to them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Why would he call them a worker of iniquity? Because they took their sin with them into eternity. They never laid it at the feet of Jesus as they turned in repentance and trusted him to be Lord of their life. Real faith brings about change. It brings about fruit, a scriptural description. Third, and I close... Notice now a settling determination. A settling determination. Verse 24 says this. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. He's saying a man works because he has life. A person has an appetite for the word of God because they have spiritual life. 
A person wants to serve God because they have spiritual life. A person wants to discover God's calling for their life because they have spiritual life. A person wants to know what their, 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 their calling is in the life of the church, what their, their gifts are, the Holy Spirit, so that they can serve. A person has a burden for lost people because they have spiritual life. Real faith always produces real scriptural spiritual works. And look what verse 26 says. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. I'll give you an illustration. John chapter 11. We're about to go to the invitation. Stay with me. Jesus' friend Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Jesus knew what God was doing. And so he didn't get time misplaced. He had delayed for a purpose that God might be glorified through it. And even though everybody was you know, trying to lay it to Jesus because he was laid and to browbeat him because he wasn't there on time, he had a plan and he had a purpose. And he wept. We don't really know why. Maybe because of their lack of faith, their heartbreak, or he was going to have to bring Lazarus back from where he was to where he was going to have to come back to. But he looked at that tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Now listen, friend. Lazarus was graveyard dead. He hadn't been taking a nap. Matter of fact, he was already beginning to decompose. He, he, he stunk. His body was beginning to decay. And Jesus spoke to that dead body and said, Lazarus, come forth. And listen to me. Lazarus got up out of the tomb and began to display signs of physical life. Why did they wrap him in grave clothes? Because he had flatlined. He was dead. That's why they put him in the tomb. And he walked out of the grave, friend, because now he was alive. Listen, he didn't start walking to make himself alive. He started walking because he was alive. You understand that? Let me say it again. He didn't walk out and start imitating a live person to try to become alive. He walked out of that tomb, friend, and started walking like a live person because he was alive. What James is teaching is this, friend. Just trying to act like a Christian won't do anything for your dead soul. You must be born again. You can join every church in this county, most have. You can be baptized in every pond, creek, river, and cove, friend, but it won't do a thing for you. You must be born again. You've got to turn and trust Christ. And when you do, friend, the Spirit of God will begin to come alive inside you at that very moment. And that which is dead that was passed on from Adam will now be alive. And because of that life, you're going to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus. Philippians 2.5, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. And so that's what we need to challenge people with. Not are you a good Baptist. But have you been born again? And the evidence will always be signs of spiritual life. That's what he's talking about. What you do with Jesus Christ determines where you spend eternity. Not up here. What you do, what you do here. Will you turn and receive him as Lord? Habakkuk 2, 4 says, The just shall live by his faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, you hear me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What does that mean? 
all the good Christian church stuff, committees you can be a member of, cold kids you can give a coat to, help your neighbor a thousand different ways. Without real faith, you can't please God with any of that because it's a work of the flesh, not the spirit. It's a work of the flesh. Matthew 7, 22. And in that day, it will break our hearts. Not just become apathetic and indifferent. Friend, I'm telling you, the majority of the people around us where we live here in this post-Christian culture, they're the ones Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. They are churched to death. Churched to death. To where they're just numb to it now. Many, hell will be full of our neighbors who heard the gospel but trampled it under their feet. And while we've still got time, we've got to challenge them. Do you have real, not, no, not, not this demon, do you have real faith? And there'll be evidence. There'll be signs of spiritual life. Real faith, real life, real works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace, through faith, for good works. James says there will always be evidence of spiritual life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. My friend, I beg you today, I do not care what your excuse is, what your spiritual resume is. If you've never been born again, while the Spirit of God is breaking your heart, convicting your heart, and drawing your heart, don't harden your heart. The book of Proverbs says, He who is often reproved and hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. This may be the last straw for you. And if you recognize you've never really been born again, you don't have real faith, I beg you today, friend, turn and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. He has done everything but violate your will, and he won't do that. He died in your place. He rose again. He wants to offer you life and life more abundantly, but you've got to choose to turn and give him all of you today. If you would do it, he promises he will save you. Tell him so right now in a simple prayer of faith that must reflect your heart. Say, oh God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe this. I believe he rose again. And today, with all my heart, I turn from all my sin. And I give all of me that I know to give to Jesus Christ. Forgive me of sin. I turn from sin. Save me from sin's penalty. I trust Christ to be Lord of my life. Now, my friend, if you really meant that with all your heart, the Bible says you've been saved from sin's penalty. And you can be set free from sin's possession here on this earth. Holy Spirit will help you to break free from all the things that the devil wants to do through sin in your life. And you have the hope one day, friend, we'll be set free from sin's presence with the Lord in heaven for all eternity. But now begins your walk with him. To let him to begin to change you and mold you into the person he wants you to be. If you prayed that prayer, you trusted Christ this morning. Would you not make your way forward in just a few moments when we stand and begin to sing? I just want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. The next step now that you've, you've trusted him. Friend, I know that most everybody that's sitting in front of me has a family member or a neighbor who professes that they've been saved. But they're not serving the Lord. They show no interest in the word of God. 
the things of God, for serving God. All of us have a family member or a friend or a neighbor who fits that description. Would to God this morning that we'd simply make ourselves available and ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to go and challenge these people about whether they have real faith. We're not going to listen to say, well, well, who are you to judge? I'm not judging. This is what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God says real faith looks like. God, give us that courage this morning. Father, I pray you'll burden the heart of the church for missions. Burden the heart of the church for lostness that's around us. And God, we realize you know all things. And Lord, you've already seen that many will stand at the great white throne. But God... You didn't say that we couldn't help reduce that number. God, I pray. Oh, God, you'll break our hearts over lostness. And God, we'll do everything that we can do while we have opportunity to live for you and serve you on this earth to take one by one everybody who would have been in that line away and help turn them toward Jesus Christ and encourage them to trust him while he may be found. Speak to us during this invitation. And I pray, God, we will surrender ourselves to your will. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our...